everyone ends up somewhere you end up somewhere on purpose the finish line is probably not a great analogy for vision there's never ever really a finish line but at least it gives you that direction vision doesn't happen in a day it's a daily process this is like leadership as you're developing the vision the false narratives the limiting beliefs will come they will come i can guarantee it morning alan katie how are you doing good how are you I'm doing well, still chewing on our many thoughts from last week's podcast and lots of good stuff there. And, and it's going to continue a theme today. So it, it's interesting having these two episodes back to back, what thoughts will come not only to our minds, but to our listeners. Mm. Well, since you've already achieved that big, hairy, audacious goal since in the past week, I'll be interested to see what, what we're talking about. Yeah. And, and for those of you out there who may still be chewing on goals, end of year, beginning of year, we want to continue to encourage you because we know a lot has happened since the last time you heard our podcast and today we want to encourage you it is a process it is a journey and we're going to talk about another process and journey that may tie in well with that today so katie why don't you reveal to us specifically what we're talking about but before we do that can we back up because i know i said this is the year that i was going to stop being sarcastic but i've said that every year since about well 1979. But when I said that you had already achieved your big, hairy, audacious goal, you know I was kidding. And it just went, it, you just, you didn't even stop me. So I just want to clarify for our listeners that if you can achieve your B-H-A-G, it still takes me a second to get that acronym. If you want to achieve that, it's not going to, it's not a big enough or hairy enough or audacious enough. Okay. That hairy, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> I will move on. But if, it, if you can achieve it in a week, it's maybe not big enough. And so I think that is actually the perfect segue slash on-ramp entree to what we're talking about today, which is crafting a vision for yourself. And I am like, I think my smile has gotten bigger and bigger as I ramped up to talking about vision because I love, like this is the kind of stuff that lights me on fire is vision. And so I am super excited for us to dig into this today, especially since Alan, you and I really haven't spent much time talking about our approaches to vision setting and vision development. So I'll be curious to see if, you know, our different, our different and similar lenses how that, you know, produces a different or similar view of vision. Yeah, lots of good stuff today, lots of tips. And so this may be something to digest slowly, but I do want to make a couple statements up front. And I want to start with this quote. It's an Andy Stanley quote. Everyone ends up somewhere, few end up somewhere on purpose. And as we talk about vision today, a couple thoughts as, as we kick off. One, we're going to spend some time talking about vision around work, but this is not simply that conversation. This could be vision around my personal health. It may be vision around my relationships, the people in my life. It may be crafting a vision financially for myself and my family. So 
what I'm encouraging all of you as you're listening to this podcast is take away what is the most relevant and timely vision crafting development exercise for you. We're going to give a lot of tips. And as I tell you know our students, as Katie and I are educators as well and, and practitioners, take what sticks. But the key is to take away something today because one of the reasons we're talking about this is not only in our own journey, but for the journey of all of you out there as healthcare professionals and leaders is that we want you to continue to end up somewhere on purpose. And that's a lot of what we're going to talk about today. Mm. So Alan, can I make an observation and a comment? My first one is even just right off the bat here, I'm noticing that when I start talking about vision, I'm talking faster and faster, 90 miles an hour. When you started talking about vision, I loved how you just kind of slowed down the pace, just that peace that I felt coming out of you. And, and neither right nor wrong, but again, just kind of noticing the different approaches that we might have for vision crafting. And the other thing is, is I love that Andy Stanley quote. It's also similar but yet different to the perception of vision that I have, which is if you don't know where you're going, you won't know when you've gotten there. And that's, I think, to me as someone who, you know, I think about running a marathon and what if I didn't know where the finish line was? And and finish line is probably not a great analogy because I think for vision, there's never, ever really a finish line, which is quite honestly what I love about a vision. But at least it gives you that direction and you can get there and know that you're there if you've crafted your vision in a way that really speaks to you and honors who you are. There's a lot of good stuff there, Katie, that, that we could unpack. An observation that I want to make about what you said that I, I hope is especially relevant for our listeners, it is for me, is that we are asking you to, in real time, hold that mirror up. And there's going to be a lot of self-awareness that we're going to talk about today. This is also going to be future directed. And to Katie's point of, okay, marathon, where am I headed? What does that look like? And we're going to ask all of us to take a real self-assessment of where we're at today. And in that, that's where we begin. We look at the past, we honor the past, but this is looking forward. And, and just a couple things before we dive in is that I want to invite all of you to dream today. If that's an issue, for some of you, that may be a very natural thing. For some, that may be hard. Dream and, and dream big. Have that visual, that, that picture, that blank canvas. What would you like to see in fill in the blank? And in that, what I'm going to also encourage all of us to do is to begin or to continue telling the story of what that actually looks like, of what we dream our lives to be. So I'm asking us to put words and language. I'm asking us to put visuals to that as well as we are dreaming. I say all that because for me, that makes, that puts more meat on the bones for me. It makes it more tangible. It, it elicits more of a response, a feeling, a stirring in me. And so we'll walk through some of the, the process today, but I'm, I'm wanting to prime the pump here. Get those dreaming muscles going and, and give yourself that time and space to dream. So 
Katie, I'm, I'm going to let you guide, guide us on this because I could be all over the, the map, feel myself. You can tell I have something that I want to add here, Alan. And I think you touched on it, but I want to just expand that a little bit, which is that for some people, dreaming does come naturally. And I suspect that I think it comes naturally to me. I like to spend a lot of time in this space. But one of the things, especially I'm just putting on my working mom lens here, is that sometimes for those of us whose work is not just at work, it's caring for other people, whether that is kids, whether that's aging parents, whatnot, dreaming can seem really selfish. And so I want to open up that space to those folks who are like, that's great, Alan and Katie. I would love to dream, but I've got to do X, Y, Z first. And so one of the things I think we could say is that on previous episodes, we've really talked about what happens if you put yourself in the back of the line and serve others first. And so I think this is a really tangible example of what we've talked about in the past, which is it's okay to dream and to use that time on yourself because that is ultimately going to pour into your vision for how you are with other people. And that not just only serves you, but it serves other people. So at the risk of turning this into <laughs> a Katie Elliott sermon, I, I just almost just want to like have that minute to pause and say, you know what, if this is hard, if it's hard to dream, that's okay. It's, it's like training for a marathon. Like we've said, you don't just go out and run 26 miles. Sometimes you just start out stretching. Sometimes you just start out getting the running shoes. Maybe you need to buy a journal. Maybe you need a couple of these things um, in place. So I'll stop my sermon. No, it, it's good. It, and we will circle back to this at the end of some tangible takeaways. But Katie's already given a couple taking that next step. All right. So I think a couple things and I'm going to put on my teacher hat just for one quick second here, because I do think anytime we come into a new space or a new idea or even just looking at something old, but from a fresh lens, we've got to have a good definition. So what is a vision? It is the ability to think about or plan the future with imagination or wisdom. I don't know. I think it could be imagination and wisdom. Mm -hmm. I think there's definitely an and, and, and I especially want to challenge all of us to first lean into the imagination space. Don't think with limits. There are limits. Let's not start with limits. Let's go limitless, dreaming big. So thank you for setting the stage with that that definition, Katie, because it, it gives all of us the permission and the freedom to do that. So think imagination, dreaming. Are we going to have some folks who think that just sounds like a waste of time? I, I would imagine so. And we, we talk about often going back into our, our narratives, our stories, and there may be some of us that were told, you know, to stop dreaming, you know, land the plane, Alan, and that's high in the sky, right? And there is some wisdom in that. I do agree with you, Katie. I think it's a both and imagination and wisdom. But for some of us, that might be a space that feels very much like, ooh, no, that, that's not a space I should be in. I'll use my own language. That, that's irresponsible to be in that space. And so as we've said with any of these thoughts, allow them to come up. This is curiosity, not contempt. And so let those thoughts come and they will. There'll be a variety of different things. We're stirring up some ground here. I, I, I'd like to 
think of it as, as plowing the ground or doing some the archaeological dig. You know, we're getting beneath the surface in some areas. There's going to be things coming to the surface. Allow those to come as they will. But our encouragement is to stay with that process of dreaming, to Katie's point. Maybe in the moment, I can't dream. Okay, we live in reality. Can I set aside some time later today, next week, to dream? Because there is a process here. And so I know for me, and this is the type one coming out again of the perfectionism. If I can't dream and figure it out right now and have it all figured out, what is the point? This is a waste of time. So Katie, I'm glad you brought that issue up. I think this kind of falls in line, Alan, with, gosh, a lot of the other concepts we've brought up on previous episodes. You know, one of the things that I do when I get into this uncomfortable space where I'm like, you know what, this seems like a waste of time for me. One of the really important things is naming it, just acknowledging that, like you said, like letting it come to the surface instead of trying to just say, no, this isn't a waste of time. No, I'm going to acknowledge that and let it be there, you know, sit it in the, in the chair next to me along with, you know, my skepticism while I'm potentially being disrupted. Alan, I'm curious, you know, we've we've talked about how we approach the new year. I'm curious if you have an example or you've set visions for yourself in the past. I have, and, and they can change from time to time. I will tell you the core of mine over the last 15 years or so has not changed. And in essence, it's to raise up the next generation of leaders. I can unpack a lot of that. I, I, I won't. Why does that even matter? Well, for me, it helps keep me aligned. And what I mean by that is that I love new things. I love shiny objects. I will chase squirrels. I love to, to innovate and create new things. In that, I can go a hundred different directions in five minutes. And so crafting the vision for me, what is that picture? What is the story I'm wanting to tell? Helps keep me focused. So keeping the main things, the main things. And it keeps alignment. Let me give you a practical example. So I, I was full-time educator for a dozen years and, and love that space. But as I've leaned more and more into doing full-time coaching, leader development, consulting, there are still opportunities that present themselves to go back into the classroom in significant amounts of time. Not just a guest lecture, but part-time, even full-time, or become an administrator. Those are good things. They are not in alignment. And so the vision is something I come back to to keep me focused because I can get distracted and does it align with my vision of calling up, raising up the next generation of leaders. If it doesn't, I have to say no to it. That is very, very hard for me because I love all of these things. And this is the realization and it stings. I can't do it all. Hmm. So good. Again, so interesting. Our visions are so similar. And I use my vision in a very similar way. We, I use a little bit different language. I don't necessarily use the language of alignment um, specifically. But yes, I look at my vision for wanting to be a radiant influence on people around me, whether that's in my workspace, in my home space, in my personal life with my friends my other communities that I serve, 
And I use that vision for what that means to me as a way to decide if this specific activity or way I'm going to spend my time or the way I'm being asked to, or like you said, tempted to use my time because I love, I would, if I had more than 24 hours in a day, I would do all the things, but I've got to keep coming back to looking at it through that lens of my vision for myself. So that's great. Katie, I, I love your vision there. Let me ask you this question. As you shared it, tell me what you were feeling. And, and this also means physically in, in your body. I'm curious if you even saw an expression on my face change because I felt radiant. I feel light. I feel joyful. I feel like, you know, vision at, at that point may even be interchangeable with purpose, right? And so to me, I think I'm glad you asked that question because I think that can be a really important part of finding your vision is somatically noticing when you put that vision out there, what that feels like. And I've had a lot of time to practice saying that vision. And that's a relatively new vision for me because as we heard in episode 21, I had a you know major life shift. And so this radiant influence is something that's developed out of that. But I've had time to say that out loud. Like that's not the first time I've said that out loud. And so I, I say that because it can be scary to share your vision with other people, right? It, it can. And I think it's important to make a couple of distinctions here. As you're hearing Katie talk, she gives an excellent example of the stirring of a vision. Like it, you physically feel alive, energizing. There, there are things you notice and it gets you excited. This is different than I'm going to set a goal. Goals are important. But I've got a goal. I've got to do some continuing education today as a, as a licensed pharmacist. It's a goal. Does it get me all excited? Not really, but it's an important vision, though. If my vision has that same response, of, I would say, mm -mm, no, go back to the drawing board because this is something that stirs over time. And so, Katie, thank you for that depiction of how you're feeling in real time. What if? I want to get started on a vision crafting journey, Alan. Walk me through that. Yeah. And, and we're going to give you process. This is not the process. But I do want to stress the word process. It takes time. As Katie shared, it's taken time for her and crafting hers. For me, it, it is the same thing. So we want to give all of you out there, if you have impatience with the process, we want to encourage you to give yourself grace and patience in this. So it, it first starts with a self-assessment examination. We need to know ourselves to lead ourselves to lead others. And so it, it is first holding that mirror up. And, and by that, what I want to encourage all of us to do is what are some of those things that energize us, that stir us, that excite us? When we dream and give ourselves permission to dream, what are some things that come to mind? And, and that will be a good starting point. So then let's walk through a, a process here. Katie used a term, I think it was maybe episode 21, of a, of a life quake, you know, significant disruptions in her life. If you've not listened to that episode, please do so. It's so powerful. There's also terms called work quakes. And a work quake is, is a similar kind of thing. Of it's a, it's a disruption. 
for me, the square peg did not fit in the round hole anymore. And I've shared that in the past. The round hole, my job was great. It didn't change. I was changing. So that can be an indication. We do not have to have work quakes to talk about what we're doing. But for me, in, in holding that mirror up and in, in taking a self-assessment, I recognized the things I'm doing in my job don't give me the same amount of meaning that they once did. So I think that's something to be aware of. So, so now, one of the questions that I ask myself is, what must I do? Or using better grammar, you know, because I'm a grammar expert, what can't I not do? And again, this may specifically not be work-related. This is, again, inviting all of you to re-examine the peace index. My purpose, people, place, personal health, resources, having that financial and time available to me. So it may be one of those areas, but what is that thing that at the end of the day I must do? That can give us some insight. And so these are questions that I want to encourage you to allow to percolate. I, I use the term often chewing on. It may take some time and that's okay. But you, I hope you're seeing in, in the analogy of archaeology is that we're, we're getting beneath the surface. And I may have shared this before. When I think of archaeology, you don't take the shovel and just dig as deep and, and you know, take up the ground like you would if you were you know, planting a garden or something. You, you're, you're gently taking those layers off the top because guess what? There are valuable insights, valuable treasures in all of us beneath the surface. But if I and my impatience take that shovel I'm going to get down there as fast as I can, and I just go into the ground. I'm likely not going to have the same results. Okay, so this what must I do, Alan? I'm chewing on it as you encouraged us to do. And I'm curious if you can kind of share. I mean, you know, you've talked about your transition out of your traditional academic role. Can you talk to us a little bit what the answer to what I must do was at that time? Yeah, and it's a great, great point for a little additional clarity. So I loved teaching and did that for many years. One of the things that I began to notice is that I would become the most energized when students would simply drop by my office and talk about their future, talk about leadership, because leaders naturally gravitate to me. And that's where I came alive. Had the opportunity to do some leadership teaching and then began doing some coaching while I was still a, a, a full-time faculty member. And I came alive, much like you did, Katie, earlier. And, and so then I was faced with a choice. And we always have choices. I could do the leadership, the coaching, raising up the next generation of leaders to some degree, but I'm going to be limited. And for me, the more I did, the more I wanted to do. And, and it then became that alignment. What must I do? I, I, I must dedicate my time to doing this, not on the side, but, but leading with it. And so that is the clarity that came over time because I love doing it. I'm really naturally gifted in doing it. 
and and I come alive in that space. And but this came with some self awareness. It also came, as Katie's mentioned, with permission to do it. That's a whole nother conversation. I won't go down that rabbit trail, but there is a a cost and there are tough choices to be made as we continue this journey. Mm, okay, thanks for sharing that. I want to highlight again the the nuance here of the difference. You know, you asked the question as what must I do, but I think you phrased it also let me make sure I get this right. What can what can't I not do? I don't know if I got that right. But to me and maybe this is our <laughs> glass half full, glass half empty. When I think about some things for me and for my vision, I really come at it because now that I am becoming a coach, I come at it from, I can't not coach people. For some reason, that's the thing where it's like, whatever I do, it's going to be, I ha so I guess my must is I must be in the coaching space. But for some reason, what speaks to me and, and seems more visionary and more compelling is to say, whatever I'm doing, I can't not be coaching. Yeah. And it, it speaks to the importance of language and the language that resonates most with each of us. But it needs to resonate. It needs to bring that power, that enthusiasm. Oh, and it's got to resonate for you. It can't resonate for what you think should resonate for you or what your partner or your boss or your whole even if you're halfway through your life you know like I am it, even if it's different from you know what 44 years have told you your vision should be that's okay that's the beauty absolutely one of the other things Katie I'll just mention because you mentioned it last time is not only giving ourselves permission to craft a vision for ourselves also giving ourselves permission to create time and space to begin the process and time and space to continue the process. And so you've heard me say permission multiple times. Katie said it as well. This is another area that can be very, very challenging is it does require intentionality, time, space, and there's a cost to that. There's a cost to those around us. So we want to also bring that to the surface and not presume that that's there. So you mentioned, you know, permission for time and space. I suspect that everyone's going to be different for how much time, what kind of space. I mentioned it on last week's episode about diffuse thinking. But for me, that's where I really do much of my vision work is when I have time where I, I don't just sit, I person. this is again, just me, I personally do not just sit down with my pen or at my open word document and go, okay, what's my vision? I let it come to me in those diffuse moments. One of those for me is running. And I will sometimes, especially if I'm on my treadmill, I will have a notepad and I will pause and I will write little things that come to me. I will write them down. Or if I'm out running, I will make a voice memo so that it's there waiting for me when I get back. And that will involve sometimes, yes, sitting down with my journal and writing it out. I personally have to write out my vision and put it somewhere so that I can see it. Again, it's like a compass. It's like a map. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. See, this is how much I love this process. I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself going into the nuts and bolts. So 
All right. So what's our vision for our next our next steps here, Alan? Well, Katie, you highlight a very important fact and we've talked about it. It's disruption. And to disrupt for you is being active. Treadmill, getting outside running, change of pace, change of place, all of these things. We can all be disrupted in various ways, but I, I want all of us to come back to something Katie said. For her, it's not just sitting down at the laptop and just, okay, opening a document and here I go. For some of you, that could be the case. I will say I'm very much like Katie and I need to be disrupted. And what I mean by that is for me, especially when I'm in a different space, pace, it activates more of my right-brained thinking. I'm a very left-brained thinker. I'm a pharmacist. I'm an educator. I, I analytically think of things, and that's a gift. Very left-brain oriented. But how do I tap into my right side? Because we have two hemispheres. And that's where, for me, creativity can flow. The dreaming can flow. But I have to be intentional in activating it. We've talked about dominant hand, non-dominant hand. Left brain's my default. Okay, good. It's great to be aware of that. How do I activate more intentionally the right side? And so for me, it's I got to get up. I got to move. I got to change my environment, my, my space. It, and that's what works for me. The key is what can work well to disrupt you, even if you have five minutes. As Katie said, sometimes these ideas come to her at other times of day, not just in this 30 minutes I've devoted. And so it is the practice. It is a rhythm. And it's not necessarily linear. Mm. Ah, the non-linear journey that challenges the Enneagram one. Well, let's walk through a bit of a process. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw out some questions. These questions come from a book called The Search by Bruce Feiler. It's a great book if you are interested in what's a workquake, taking a like a meaningful audit of where you're at in real time, of examining what does it even mean to have a vision, questions to ask. I'm going to simply highlight six key questions that he puts forth. We're not going to unpack these. I would encourage you to, to read the book. Certainly, there's a lot more information. But I will, I will bring up something before we start. For me, the process of visioning comes from a place of curiosity. By that, I want to encourage all of you to ask yourself lots of questions. And not in an interrogation form where you feel like you're staring at the bright lights of a spotlight with contempt, right? The condemnation. No, 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 no. This is curiosity. What would it look like? If I did pursue becoming a coach, what would it look like if I volunteered to coach my kid's soccer team? This is coming from curiosity. This is a great place to start, and it's a great place to activate left and right brain thinking. So coming at it from that approach. So I'm going to throw out some, some questions for everyone. And these are questions, again, to reiterate, chewing on, that we encourage you to, to chew on. So. The first one is, who is your who? Meaning, I want to be the kind of person who fill in the blank. The second one, what is your what? I want to do work that fill in the blank. 
we're encouraging you to dream, dream big here in all of these. The third question, when is your win? I'm at a moment in my life when, fill in the blank. Number four, where is your where? I want to be in a place that, fill in the blank. So number five, why is your why? My purpose right now is, fill in the blank. And then sixth and last, how is your how? The best advice I have for myself right now is fill in the blank. So we talk about who, what, when, where, why, and how. There is a lot to those six questions. And as we've said before, it starts with a next step. Start by answering one of those. You can go in the order. He puts them in order. I think it's a great place to start. So who is your, your who? And I want to be the kind of person who, and then fill in the blank. This is personal and or professional. This is, could be any of those five circles in the, the peace index. It may be something else. As we've said, though, it is something with significant meaning to you. I love those questions. And I wish we could unpack each and every one of them. But obviously, we don't have time. But I'm curious, Alan, when you look at those six questions, which one bubbles up and speaks the most to you? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I think it's the first one, who is your who? And it says, I want to be the kind of person who encourages and develops others. It, and for me, the who is the next generation of, of leaders, specifically in healthcare. I'm 52. So that means for me, my, my really who group, 30 and 40 healthcare leaders. And, and leaders who have a, a fire in their belly, even after all the difficulties of our, our professions in healthcare, um, but who want to continue to serve, may have something stirring in them that both encourages them, excites them, and terrifies them. Maybe it's a workquake, maybe something else. That's my who. And let me say one other thing about that. This does not mean, and I know I'm giving another qualifier, but I think it's important here is that it doesn't mean that I won't work or interact with anyone who's not in that group. But I will be very intentional with that group. And so knowing the who can be very, very helpful. So Katie, thanks for bringing up that question. All right. So I've crafted a vision. Now what? I mean, that can be really scary. If we've got folks who were vulnerable and brave and embraced the visioning process. And now they got the vision. Alan, what do they do with it? Well, I'm going to play coach here for a second, Katie, and I'm going to reverse that question. And I, I'm, I'm curious, like that process for you and in what that looked like for you, what did you find helpful? I'll certainly share some of my own thoughts, but as you crafted yours, and, and thank you for sharing that, what did you find to be helpful? Mm. So I think for me, the first step was writing it down. And this actually was an iterative process like anything an academic does. You know, I had a couple of drafts. And then when I really felt like it was good enough, not perfect, notice that choice of words there. When I felt like it was good enough, I wrote it down and then I started sharing it with people. And when I say sharing it with people, I mean, I told my husband first 
and not even right away. Like I kind of marinated on it for a while. And and I do a lot of like mental rehearsing of things. So, you know, set it out in my head and then I shared it with him. And of course, he was very supportive and 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 loved it much like I expected him to. And then I went on to share with just a few select people in my inner circle. So I don't have it hanging on my door at work or, you know, it's not, I haven't made it into a sticker for my water bottle quite yet, but I might. So telling those select few people, that was really helpful. I had to be very discerning about who I told. I wanted to strike a balance between having some constructive feedback But I wasn't looking for advice. This was my vision. This was, you know, I'm not looking for someone to come in and say, oh, you know, here's how you should do your vision instead, or this is what would make your vision better. So I shared it with a couple people. And then at that point, I was ready for some coaching around it. And I know, again, that you know, we've talked a lot about coaching, but I think it's important to bring it back into this space and to talk about how a coach can really help you with implementing your vision. So I'll stop there and see if anything that I said is similar to how you approach it. Yeah, no, Katie, it, it, it's very, very, very similar. And I appreciate the process you walked us through. And, and I want to highlight a couple key things that you said is first, the people you shared it with. This is very, very important in early stages in particular, because it's still being formed to some degree. And there will be naysayers. There will be naysayers no matter what. The naysayers early in the process can be very, very harmful, and they may come from a very good place. But as Katie said, she was not looking for critique or like, you need to improve it and you should do X, Y, and Z. The oughts and shoulds are not there, and this can happen. But Katie did share it, and that's so important. There's a vulnerability in sharing something like a vision. But who are those, those trusted people in your life who will give you their thoughts, but also are truly for you? The vision will, will receive challenge once it's made more public. But in early stages, that is so, so important. Hence, Katie's second point I want to highlight is the coaching piece. Coaches have a tendency to ask questions that no one else does. That has been the story in my life coaches asking me very provocative questions, and I mean provocative in a good sense, good disruption. I never thought about X. Oh, okay, yeah, I can clarify this. Or giving me permission to dream bigger because a tendency can be for me, oh, that's too big. Yeah, no, that's too much. And coaches have an ability to stretch us in a good and healthy way. The beauty of being stretched is we don't come back to our original shape. So firm proponent of the coaching space, definitely. And the the last thing I will say is there's an importance of writing things down. Um, For many, I would say many months, years ago, it was in my head only. And I'm a strong preference introvert. I think internally before I speak. 
But one of the challenges in that is that I might not speak and it may stay internal in my head. There's something very powerful about writing it out. So Katie, thank you for walking us through, I believe are some very essentials um, in that process. Mm, I love that. And thanks for, you know, kind of expanding on the role of coaching in this process. So you've written it out. You've told a few people. You've worked with a coach. Do you just like hang it on the wall and, and leave it there or should we revisit it? Great point. Because a vision in and of itself is only a starting point. It's an important starting point. I would say without it, we run the risk we, we might not end up somewhere on purpose, but it does. it's not the ending point. So Katie, to answer your question, for me, it was then what's the tangible next step? Maybe it was hire a coach. Maybe it, it was, okay, what's the first step I can take in X? Maybe it's reading a book, getting certified, taking a class, volunteering. There's a lot of different ways here. We say this often. It's not an insignificant step, but it's a vital next step. And that next step might not go perfect. Hence, as type ones, that's hard, right? I took the next step. It should have worked perfectly. Then I take the next one and the next one. It's not linear. But there is something to be said with movement. There's something to be said about being intentional. And I'm a firm believer in momentum. We don't always go forward. Sometimes we go backward to go forward. We talked about that last time. But there is movement. Why do I say that? It is very easy once one has written a vision to put it aside and say for another day. Vision doesn't happen in a day. It's a daily process. This is like leadership. But if I don't intentionally continue moving forward, then it could just stay on my desk and gather dust. And that can happen to the most passionate of us because there's a cost in moving forward. Katie's given you some examples already. So the important thing is the tangible next step. And for me, it's setting a time frame on it. Okay, I'm going to go to, to the bookstore. I'm going to get on Google in the next week. I'm going to sign up for this class. I'm going to reach out to our volunteer coordinator. Whatever it is, it's tangible, and I'm giving myself a time frame on it because this is a stepwise progression. It's not an overnight, you know, making, making that leap. And so if I don't take that next step, I run the risk that it just gathers dust. And the more dust it gathers, the harder it is to resume. The more dust it gathers, the harder it is to resume. I actually really like that analogy because there's a couple of really dusty places in my house right now. And I know what it's like to ignore something. And, and as it, it creates dust, it makes it less and less appealing until you finally just have to get after it. Yeah. And let me also say this, and this just comes from personal experience, is that as you're developing the vision, Maybe you've written it. Maybe you've shared it with some trusted friends. You've hired a coach. And so it's getting more and more clear. There's more and more of it coming together. The false narratives, the limiting beliefs will come. They will come. I can guarantee it. So in that, as, as we've talked, okay, bring them to the surface. Again, no contempt here. 
recognize it. Okay, what is true? Again, don't travel alone. But these things will come, and you may have limiting beliefs you didn't even know were there. It it has certainly been my story and continues as mine grows and develops and, and builds that limiting beliefs, false narratives coming to the surface. The question, well, who says you could do that? Who are you to do that? They can come up at different points. Be prepared for that. Recognize it. But what is true? Who are those that can continue to encourage? This is where my team, that inner circle, my coach are essential because guess what? We all get tired. We all feel exhausted. Don't want to put forth the effort. That's being human. It's easy to buy into. I don't have the energy for this. I'm not smart enough. I don't have the the discipline, whatever. This is why we need others to speak truth into our lives because there will be many highs and lows throughout the process. That's so helpful to know going into it. It's almost like centering your expectations. And I think it's important to cover all of this. I've mentioned before, when I first began to delve into this 15, 15 plus 20 years ago, I was pretty naive. And there was the excitement, right? Good. Enthusiasm, passion, bring it. It's important. But I never really considered, oh, there won't be barriers. Everyone will think it's the greatest thing since sliced bread. I've got enough passion, enthusiasm, and I'm an, I'm an initiator. I get stuff done. End of story. Well, there's truth in what I just said, but there will be resistance. And we're not always on the mountaintops, and I'm a mountain person. You get into the valleys. You get into the reality of life, right? Sick kids financial difficulties, perhaps losing family members. This is reality. So there's going to be highs and lows. There's going to be times where we feel like we're not moving at all. This is why we need others because they can continue to encourage us. And guess what? We get to encourage others as well. It's part of this. It's, It's why we weren't created in isolation. And I will say this, vision Though it is individual, and we've been talking about self, it cannot thrive in isolation. Good. So good. Well, Katie, any other final thoughts? We have talked about a lot of information today, lots of questions, process. Any final thoughts on your end? Oh, goodness. I think my final thought is really just my enthusiasm for going back. And I'm going to spend some time over this next week just revisiting my vision, kind of checking it against some of the decisions that I've made recently, checking it against my New Year's goals, just checking in on it, celebrating it. You've taught me to celebrate things. I'm going to celebrate my vision. And, And I loved your language there. I mean, our podcast is Checkup, and that's what we're doing, right? It's the check in. And and I want to just continue to encourage everyone. This is not easy stuff, but I will tell you, it is, it is so fruitful for not only each of us individually, but that health ripples out to, to those around us. And, and certainly, uh, we're resources. So if you have questions, if you want more information, all of that, need a coach, you can reach out to us um, because as you probably can tell, we are very passionate about this area and would love to help if we can. So Katie has always enjoyed this exciting conversation. Thanks for sharing your thoughts. 
Yeah. Thank you, Alan. See you next week.